Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guest. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to set up a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also, visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com, or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. Jesus is our example in all things. And so it's only fitting that as we consider this month on Sunday evenings thinking about prayer, that we take one of those lessons to consider the prayer life of our Lord. A man named S.D. Gordon wrote a little book many years ago called Quiet Talks on Prayer, And in that book, I think he said it well, he wrote these words. There are two ways of receiving instruction. One, by being told. The other, by watching someone else. The latter is the simpler and surer way. How better can we learn how to pray than by watching how Jesus prayed and then try to imitate him? And then he wrote these words. He himself prayed when down here surrounded by our same circumstances and temptations. It's interesting as you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, think about the prayers that Jesus prayed, that we probably only have the full text of one prayer of any length that Jesus prayed. There was more than just a few words. And that, of course, is John chapter 17, which basically fills that entire chapter. There are other prayers, such as the one he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, that we probably have the full text to. We can't really be sure, but they're so short, many of the prayers. But just because we don't have the full text of long prayers does not mean that Jesus was a man who did not pray. In fact, references to the fact that he prayed or to parts of his prayers or the full text of his prayers simply pepper the text from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they are unmistakably a part of his life. Again, that writer I mentioned a moment ago, Gordon, wrote a beautiful description of how the gospel writers sort of paint a picture of the prayer life of Jesus. He said, the picture of Jesus praying is like an etching, a sketch in black and white, the fewest possible strokes of the pen, a scratch here, a line there, frequently a single word added by one writer to the narrative of the other, which gradually brings to view the outline of a lone figure With face upturned. I think he has it right. That while we rarely see full text. Or long text I should say. Of Jesus' prayers. There are so many pictures of him praying. That we get this as he said an outline. Of one with his face constantly upturned. Herbert Lockyer. And some of you may have his book. All the prayers of the Bible said. The master never discussed any difficulties without prayer. He took it for granted. That men ought always to pray. And so this month as we think about the subject of prayer. We're taking tonight's lesson to spend some time thinking about Jesus' prayer life. 
And we're going to spend some time sort of jumping around Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You may want a handout tonight to sort of follow along with some of the verses because we're not going to just stay in one text. We're going to jump through quite a few. But in looking at all these different texts tonight, I simply want us to make three observations about the prayer life of Jesus that we need to make sure that we follow and emulate since he is our example in, in all things in our own prayer lives. First of all, something we've already mentioned in the introduction, and that is that the prayer life of Jesus, his prayers were regular. And that may seem a bit strange if you stop and think about it for a moment, that Jesus' prayers were regular. And the reason I say that is Jesus and the Father were one. And so why would Jesus stop so often or pause so often to pray if his will was already perfectly within the will of the Father? And we may have just answered our own question. Because is it not possible that one of the reasons why Jesus was always within the will of the Father was because he spent so much time in communication with the Father, seeking his will and making certain that he was always in alignment with what the Father wanted done. But also it helps us to understand that Jesus was never too busy to pray and Jesus was, if you please, never too righteous to pray and neither can we be. In the text we read for our scripture reading a little while ago, Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, you may have noticed the words, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16 may give us even a little bit more insight. Jesus was a very busy man of that, there's no doubt. In fact, Luke 5 verse 15 is showing us that crowds were starting to grow and come to him to hear him teach and come to be healed by him. But then Luke says in verse 16, but he, Jesus, would withdraw to desolate places and pray. And many of your translations of the Bible even include the word he would often withdraw to those places to pray. This was not a one-time thing. Here Jesus was at the heart of, if you please, a growing popularity, and yet he thought it was a better use of his time, at least for part of that time, to get away, to be alone, and to be with the Father. At least once, we're told specifically that Jesus prayed all night long, specifically all night long. Luke six twelve. before Jesus selected the twelve apostles, we're told in these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Now, that's not to say that we have to follow some sort of regiment as far as prayer goes. We have to pray a certain number of times a day or that we're more righteous if we rise early in the morning to pray or more righteous if we spend all night long in prayer. That's, that's not the point of the, of the gospel writers recording for us that Jesus rose early or Jesus withdrew or Jesus stayed up all night. The point they're trying to make for us is that prayer was just a regular part of his life. It was as natural for Jesus as was breathing. And at times, he got away to pray. At times, he prayed for great lengths of time. At other times, he prayed very short prayers interspersed throughout the day. Paul, in a verse we mentioned last week, would remind us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean that our prayers are just one constant sentence. It just simply means we are always in a prayerful stance of our heart, if you will. We are always ready to pray and always willing to share those things with God. Sometimes that means we do take a large amount of time. Maybe it's before you're making a decision. Maybe it's when you're not feeling well or someone you love isn't feeling well. And you find yourself for a long period of time praying before the throne of God. At other times... 
It's just going throughout the day. Just a normal day. But in all the circumstances, the ups and downs, the highs and lows, we simply take everything before the throne of God, often in just simple, short, little prayers, sometimes spoken, sometimes just thought throughout the day. But I want us to understand that the prayer life of Jesus was a regular part of his life. It was something he just did. Is it the same with me? If I'm going to follow the example of Jesus, is prayer a regular part of my life? But also, once you notice, if you survey the prayers of Jesus, that his prayers were also reverent. Prayer is speaking to our Heavenly Father. And there is a relationship there that's beautiful, and as if we're just speaking, if you will. But the prayers of Jesus remind us many times that we are to still be reverent in prayer because of the one to whom we are speaking. We're speaking to the Almighty. We can notice this from any number of places, but I want you to notice it from just two. And at first, we won't spend much time on because we spent some time on this text last week. It comes from the opening lines of the model prayer, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. As Jesus was modeling how to pray or sort of a, a, a way to, to show the, the simplicity of prayer, but the importance of prayer, you remember that opening line, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We talked last week about those words being of adoration and praise, but notice they are also words of reverence. We must remember the one to whom we are praying and be reverent. When we come before his presence. But the other text I want you to consider is one that's found as Jesus was preparing to raise Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. Before Jesus called out to Lazarus and simply said his name, Lazarus come forth. That man who had been dead for four days would bring him back to life. Jesus prayed, if we have the full text of the prayer, a very short prayer. If we have the full text, it's only 35 words long. John 11 verse 41 begins that prayer with these words. Father... I thank you that you have heard me. Now, I think that's a powerful statement of reverence because of who was saying it. Jesus was literally the son of God. And yet he began a prayer thanking God that God would even listen to this prayer that he was saying on that particular occasion. If Jesus himself would begin a prayer with such words, Father, I thank you even that you've heard me. How much more reverent should we be? When we come before the Father in prayer. Now let me be clear. I am not saying that we have to follow some sort of formula in order to be reverent. Reverence is a heart matter. It's not inherently more reverent, for example, to use old English compared to new English or anything along those lines. It's a heart matter. But it also needs to be stated very clearly that we can become so casual in prayer that we are doing the right action, that is, we are praying, and yet being irreverent in the fact that we are praying. There's a lot of ways that can become true. Let me share with you three. We can become irreverent when we pray, when we pray out of pride. Jesus spoke against that in the Sermon on the Mount, did he not? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, he warned against it when he said, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may be seen by others. And he said, Truly I say to you, they've already received their reward. And just two verses later, Matthew 6 and verse 7, he said very much the same thing. And when you pray, do not heap up empty or vain phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard For their many words. Do you see what he's warning against? They were praying. They were going through the action. But only for reasons of pride. They wanted some type of earthly recognition. 
Look at that person. Look how religious he must be because either he prays a long time or he's not afraid to pray in public or he uses just the right terminology. That's not a Christ-like, reverent prayer. Pride can keep us from reverent prayers. But also, selfishness can. James chapter 4 and verse 3, James said, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. By using that word passions in that verse, James was saying that what he's warning against is only praying about the things of this world for selfish reasons. Having a selfish motive behind why we pray for certain things. Jesus even prayed for himself at times and certain things. He's not, James is not saying we can't pray for ourselves, but is there not, but can there not be a selfish motive behind it? Jesus always prayed even for himself that he would use whatever he received to the glory of God and the benefit of others. If we are not careful, we can sometimes go through the act of praying but pray out of selfishness only so we can have it for ourselves all the time. And this may seem redundant, but I also want to share with you that we can be irreverent in prayer by irreverence. And that may seem redundant or obvious, but what I simply mean by that is we can treat prayer as casual instead of as something sacred. It is a beautiful relationship-based thing. It's a communication thing, speaking to God, but it is not a casual thing. It is still a sacred act. Even in the privacy of our homes, the privacy of our lives, when we come before the throne of God, that is a sacred act. Sometimes we can treat it as casual, way too casual, even by how we address the one to whom we are praying. For example, I have a major problem with those who would address God in prayer with very casual terminology. And if you even let me use the example by calling God Daddy or something along those lines. I know that Jesus called God Abba Father in Mark 14 and verse 36. But Jesus was literally the Son of God. And God is our Father. That is certainly true. But He is also the Almighty, the Creator of the universe. And this is a sacred thing. When we come before his throne, we can be casual in the sense that we can use our own terminology to express what's on our heart. But the act itself is a sacred thing. May we never treat it so casually that we become irreverent. All the prayers that Jesus prayed were were reverent. They were deeply respectful. I want to pray like Christ. And so we need to be reverent when we're speaking to the father. He is still God. He is still the almighty And so may we never forget that as we approach his throne in prayer. But then number three, I want you to keep in mind as you think about the prayer life of Jesus, that his prayers were regarding all things. If if Jesus, if all we had in scripture was once or twice where Jesus prayed or just one, one or two references to the fact that Jesus prayed, we could get in our mind that he only prayed a handful of times or just about a certain one or two things. But it is remarkable to survey Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see the variety of situations and circumstances where you find Jesus praying and the different things about which he prayed. It was concerning all kinds of things. And it gives us that beautiful example of our prayer lives that we really can bring anything and everything before the throne of God. We don't have time tonight to read all the passages that discuss the, the situations, the circumstances during which Jesus prayed But if you have one of the handout, you have at least a partial list. But if you don't have a handout, just listen. I'm not going to read all the verses. But just get a sense 
of the vast number of circumstances during which Jesus prayed. He prayed at his baptism. Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. He prayed at the close of a day that was filled with crowds. He did, did that on more than one occasion. Luke 4, Luke 5, Mark 6, all record that. He prayed after a success by those who he had sent out on what we sometimes call the limited commission in Luke 10, 21. As you mentioned earlier, he prayed all night long before he selected the apostles. And so we might say simply, he prayed when he had a difficult decision to make. Luke 6 and verse 12. He prayed before performing one of his great miracles, feeding the 5,000. John 6 and verse 11. He prayed during the night, not long before he walked on the water. Matthew 14 and verse 23. He prayed not long before asking his apostles, who do people say that I am? In Luke 9 and verse 18. He prayed just before he was transfigured before Peter, James, and John on that Mount of Transfiguration, Luke 9, 28 and 29. His own prayer life is what prompted the disciples to ask him, Lord, teach us to pray, Luke 11 and verse 1. He prayed, as we mentioned a few moments ago, as he prepared to raise Lazarus, John 11, 41 and 42. In a beautiful little phrase, he prayed for little children, Matthew 19 and verse 13. He prayed in the hours leading up to the cross itself for himself, the apostles, and all who would come to believe him through the apostles in what we sometimes call the high priestly prayer of John chapter 17. He prayed for the faith of Peter in the hours leading up to the trials and the crucifixion, Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 31. He prayed while he was instituting the Lord's Supper, Matthew 26. He prayed for his own focus on the will of God in the Garden of Gethsemane, as we sang about tonight, again, Matthew 26. He prayed even while he was on the cross, amazingly, for the forgiveness of those who put him there, Luke 23, verse 34. And even his dying breath on the cross was a prayer, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Luke twenty three forty six. And after his resurrection, he prayed at a meal with his apostles. Luke 24 and verse 30. There are others. But are those not enough to remind us of the absolute vast amount of circumstances during which and before which Jesus prayed and the different situations and things for which he prayed. He prayed for all kinds of things, all times of day, and all circumstances. If that is true, then may we not pray for all sorts of things in our lives as well. Of course we can. And it's why John, later in his life, would write, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. First John 5 and verse 14. We must ask according to His will, that verse teaches us, but that little word, anything, is so valuable to us. When our health is poor, we ask God about it. When we just want a great victory in life, we say something about it to God. And on and on it goes. We bring anything before the throne of God within His will. I hope that we want to be more like Jesus in every way possible. And one of those ways, one of those everyday ways is simply to spend more time in prayer and more time in focused prayer as he did. He prayed upon the mountain. He prayed for you and me. He prayed in humble dwellings. He prayed beside the sea. He prayed in early morning, prayed with all his might. He prayed at noonday and at dusk. He prayed all through the night. He prayed for those who scorned him, for those who killed him too. He prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He prayed when he was lonely. He prayed when he was sad. He prayed when he was weary. 
He prayed when he was glad. He prayed for those in sorrow. He prayed for those in sin. He prayed for those in trouble that they might come to him. I want so much to be more like my Savior every day. And while I'll never be a perfect follower of His, that's my goal in life. It's to be as much like Him as I can be. And one place that begins is spending focused and real time in prayer. If Jesus, the perfect one, prayed like He did, then don't you know I need to? Constantly, regularly, reverently, and about all things in my life. That little poem I read a moment ago ended with the, the phrase, He prayed for those in trouble that they might come to Him. May I simply ask tonight as I close, have you come to Him? Have you given your life to the one who prayed for you in John chapter 17, that you would come to know Him through the Word and the work of the apostles? That's how much He loved you. That even in the very shadow of the cross, just hours before going there, you were already on His mind and in His prayers. And while I can't prove it from Scripture, I believe that Jesus continues to pray for you if you've never come to Him. And Jesus continues to think of you if you have but need to be encouraged or strengthened or forgiven as a Christian. And tonight, if you've never come to Him, or if you need to come back to Him seeking forgiveness or encouragement, Won't you do so while we stand and sing to encourage you?